close your eyes and pull like down. <laughs> and a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam McGuire Cup to Graham Canty, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Jack McCarran of the Southern Star and I'm joined as always by Star Sport Editor Kieran McCarthy. Before we kick things off this week I'd just like to give a gentle reminder to our listeners and viewers to please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube. We're back this week after a short break for Christmas and New Year's and we're going to kick things off on the Star Sport podcast this year by looking back and counting down the top 10 West Cork sporting moments from 2020. From West Cork's influence on Munster Rugby to Enniskeen's Camogie glory and everything in between, 2020, despite its challenges, was a great year for West Cork sport. We're also going to chat at length to outgoing Cork County Board Chairperson Tracy Kennedy. Kennedy's three-year term as the first female chairperson of Cork. GAA concluded earlier this month and she spoke to Kieran about her experiences in the role. But Kieran, before we hear from Tracy, how are you? How was your own Christmas? Did you enjoy the New Year's festivities or like everyone else, were you just having a quiet one locked up in your house trying to stay safe? It was, it was a quite Christmas, Jack, but it was a good Christmas. I was surrounded by boxes of heroes, roses and celebrations and plenty of movies. So um, I think my big achievement is I watched eight Harry Potters over the Christmas period. It was always on my to-do list. It's how how, how sad I am at this stage of my life that I wanted to watch yeah, Harry Yeah, when, when I saw it, you tweeted that out uh, last week or maybe the week before. And my first thought was, isn't it amazing that a 15-year-old is the editor of a regional newspaper <laughs> in West Cork but uh, you you aren't 15 are you? No I um, just turned 21 there last April <laughs> so just a, bit, just a small bit over 15 but it was always on my to-do list out of interest more than anything else and it became a war of attrition right at the end um, I was so far into the one stage I said I can't stop now I may as well just power on put the shoulder to the wheel and watch the last three so took a lot of late nights and I, and I got there in the end and was it worth it, Jack? No, it wasn't worth it. But at least it's done now. Box ticked. Move on. Well, tell me then, does it get progressively better, progressively worse? Does it peak in the middle? Is there a plateau and it just stays going there from like the second or third one on? Or how, how would you kind of rate? What's the the bell, the bell chart? Well, they're, they're all kind of interlinked. So kind of it's one big, long story. And there's eight of them there and they're all over two hours. So I was working out. It was around 18 to 19 hours of my life that I lost over Christmas watching Harry Potter. And um, yeah, it was grand. It was grand. I actually preferred the early ones. The early ones were the better ones when they were when they were very young. Um, I can see why kids like it, but as a 21 plus, no, I won't be revisiting Harry Potter. But like I said, job done, box ticked. Yeah, an unusual box to want to tick at uh, your time I'm of an, life. I'm an unusual character, Jack. You know that by now. I, I, I certainly do and it's just interesting to hear you say like 18 hours of your life so almost a full day and the overall reaction is grand so uh, yeah I kind of feel for you I, I kind of gave up after the first one I think way back when my sisters were obsessed with it but I never got on board and I don't think I'm going to be spending 18 hours of my life catching up but congratulations fair play myself and all the team at the Southern Star are very proud of you but Kieran, on to the more serious business now and you had the chance to catch up with outgoing Cork County Board Chairperson Tracy Kennedy now this interview was recorded before Christmas so just to give readers that our listeners that in case there are any references to Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year between yourself and Tracy but how was she and what are your overall feelings about her after she served her three-year term yeah, it was a good chat with Tracy, Jack. Um, we spoke the Monday before Christmas, so it was just after her tenure as County Board Chairperson had finished the previous Thursday. Mark Sheehan has taken over now as a, as the new County Board Chairperson. Um, so as Tracy Kennedy, she was a chairperson in a very, very tough time for Cork GA, and she talks about that at length here in the conversation coming up. But I've always had the greatest respect for her because I think she did a really good job. I suppose... In the one point, Jack, she was the first female chairperson of the county board. So that's really important as well. She broke down a barrier there 
but like she says herself, and she said in her um, her outgoing speech at convention, she's disappointed that there's not more women involved in the GA, and that is an issue that, that needs to be tackled in the years ahead. But um, as a chairperson, she was great to deal with. She was uh, she really was. I think she was a great ambassador for Cork GA over the last nine years because she was PRO and vice chairperson before she was chairperson. And one thing sticks in my mind is, um, I think it was two years ago, for she spent a couple of days down in Beira. Um, Beira, as we all know, it's kind of the westerly edge of Cork GA. And sometimes it's the forgotten part of Cork when it comes to when it comes to Cork GA. But um, Tracy spent a couple of days down there visiting every club, getting to know the people, getting to see their problems firsthand. And um, there was a launch there in um, in outside Castle Town Bear one night and I was there as well and you could see the appreciation that the Bearer people had for Tracy Kennedy coming down and spending some time amongst them and, and getting to see the challenges that they faced and that, that always stuck in my mind because she took that time to go meet the people of Bearer and just to learn about their difficulties and challenges and what they needed to improve and so on so um, I think she her tenure would be looked on quite favourably, I think, even though it was such a tough time for, for, for Cork GA. But the way I look at it, Jack, is um, for a long time, I think there's been a bit of mistrust between the people on the ground and the county board. Um, there's been that kind of that gap in between them. But with the likes of Tracy, I, I think she's helped mend the bridge and mend the relationship between the people in the grassroots of Cork GA and the people sitting the powers that be so um no she's um she served her time really really well so as you can hear from this conversation i think she's glad now to be honest that her her her, her tenure is done she's she served her county well and she's looking forward to her own suppose, challenges in, in in the years ahead because she's a principal of a school as well so she's quite a busy woman jack delighted to be joined on the podcast now by tracy kennedy the former chairperson of the cork county board how does that feel tracy former chairperson. Yeah, I, I was doing some photos at school on Friday with two of our pupils who have been recently selected for development squads and I was putting that in our Twitter, former Cartier chairperson and principal. So yeah, to take a bit of getting used to, I'm sure, but I suppose it's not something sudden, you know, I, I knew it was coming, you know, I, I knew there was only three years in the role and obviously I think the past year sort of prepared me a bit more for life after GA because of the fact that you know everything changed so much you know even in terms of the amount of travel I would have been doing the amount of weekends I'd been spending in my car the amount of events I'd be going to like all of those things were were largely gone for the first part of the year and even when it came to to going to matches later in the year that even that was very limited so yeah I think COVID has probably prepared me a little bit better maybe for the end of my term than it might have been otherwise. Your three years just seem to have zipped by. It only seems like yesterday that you became the first female chairperson of the Cork County Board. There was so much packed into those three years, Tracy. There was highs, there was lows, there was everything. When you look, have you had a chance in those three years to kind of step outside that bubble for a second and go, Jesus, a lot has happened or is happening? Yeah, time flies when you're having fun, as they say, but I wouldn't say it was fun a lot of the time. Um, yeah, there, like there would have been moments during the time when I would have been really struck by the privileges of the role. You know, there, there's no doubt about that. There, there are moments that hit you, um, say being at the, the All-Ireland Minor football final last year you know, in, in Crow Park and all that went with that. Yeah, and you do, like I would have kind of stepped back and said, wow, you know, how lucky am I to get to experience this at such close quarters and all of that. And that's an immense privilege. Um, I suppose it's, it's, easier, it's, it's easier to step back from the nice things and, and realise the privileges you've had. When you're in the middle of the tougher times, it can be a little bit harder to, to see beyond that and to realise that you will get through it, you will get out of it, and Cork will get out of it. So easier maybe to enjoy, obviously, the good times and to step outside those ones and see what, what, you were really, um, what you're really getting to be part of. Like when you look back at it now, there was some incredible highs there. You mentioned the minor final last year. The under-20 final in Port East last year was an amazing game to be at. Even the, the, the Cork Kerry game a couple of weeks back was a what a sensational end. Like the drama in, in those last couple of seconds were probably, I think, it was the best finish of any game this season. And mm. like there's so much, so many high points on the pitch, wasn't there? Kind of, I know the teams aren't where we want them to be right now, but it's pointed in the right direction, I think. 
I think so too. I mean, I suppose there weren't that many highlights, but those that there were, were absolute wow moments. I think the under 20 final actually was probably the most enjoyable because for the last 10 minutes or so, we, we knew we had it won. You know, uh, Kevin O'Donovan, the, the CEO, and myself were at sort of the ends of two rows opposite each other in the stand. And I just kind of looked across them with a few minutes to go and I'm like, we're actually going to win this, you know, and we knew we were. And so you could enjoy that. And particularly after the start of that game, you know, so that was really enjoyable. So I was talking to somebody recently, you know, saying, are you looking forward to a game? And I haven't looked forward to a game in years because they're just torture. And, you know, you can't enjoy it till it's over. And even like the Kirk Kerry game recently, which was absolutely amazing, but still like it was only amazing in the last, you know, 20 seconds um, up to that it was just absolutely nail biting and obviously the same with the, the minor footballers last year I, I was packing up my bag to, to go at the end of normal time thinking it was all over so you know those games obviously the highs afterwards are absolutely amazing but you know probably the most enjoyable was the under 20 alright because we knew that was coming um, yeah and I've had some great um, some great days maybe that, that people wouldn't know about that are lower key, you know, like I would have attended, say, Tony Forrestal tournaments, Cork under-14s played in the last few years and been there when they had won won that those tournaments out and things like that. And they're actually great, really enjoyable days too and people aren't aware of them at all. And then, or less aware of them, I suppose. And then for me, I think personal highlights would have always included my club visits. Um, you know, you get to go to clubs for lots of events as chairperson. It would have been to various official openings. And I suppose there are a couple of places. Um, I hope I'm not forgetting anybody now, but uh, St. Vincent's and Whitechurch stick out in my mind um, because I did official openings there and my name is on the, the plaque, you know, for commemorating those. And, you know, that's an absolutely huge honour, obviously, for anyone. And, you know, really, it was really exciting for me to, to see those things. And again, those are low-key things that, that a lot of people don't know about. Um, I went to, to Beira there a couple of years ago during the summer and visited the six clubs over a weekend. And again, those experiences were just wonderful, you know, to see parts of the county that are very far from my own home. I, I think a lot of people outside Cork don't realise, you know, that, you know, I could drive for 100 miles and still be in my own county. Um, so, you know, those experiences and the welcome that you get from clubs is absolutely always amazing and to meet such wonderful people like I think people like Robert Dwyer who I met uh, in Beira the, the late president of Beira Robert from Oran and how people like that touch your life and those are really special experiences and maybe ones that you know people aren't as aware of as they are the big days. When you were in Bear at that time, it was really appreciated by the Bear board and all the clubs down there like you said you spent a weekend down there and you mentioned there about going to all the other clubs Tracy I suppose from the outside looking in, we don't realise the amount of work that, that you and the other board members put in because we only see a certain amount of it. But it's like you, you, you have a full-time job as principal at Cardinified Community College. And then on top of that, you were county board chairperson for three years. And before that, you were vice chair and PRO. How was there enough hours in the day and in the week for Tracy Kennedy to, to live her life when you have all that going on? Well, I met the legendary Liz Howard um, one day in Thurless, and um, people will be aware of Liz. She was actually the first ever female county board officer way back, and you know, a, 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 appeared on the Sunday game and things like that long before women ever did. A real trailblazer, um, Liz. And I said to her one day, I said, "I've no life," <laughs> you know, which is true. Um, I think I was PRO at the time, and it only got worse after that. And she said to me, "No," she said, "You have a GA life," and that was so true. But it, it reality was that it was my entire life between work and the GA. I had two full time jobs, and that took up all the hours in the day. And you know, you mentioned there the workload and the intensity. I didn't even realize myself until I became chairperson. And you know, having been vice chair and been PRO and seen the chairs before me operate, you know, I still didn't quite comprehend the intensity of the role until I stepped into it myself and you know the sheer number of constant emails and I think the one thing that struck me early on was you know just how big an entity Cartier is and I don't just mean that in terms of the physical size of the county and the fact that the number of clubs we have and all that but there are just so many different stakeholders and sectors and you know they all have claims on your attention as chairperson whether it's the the schools you know primary schools post-primary schools whether it's the clubs the divisions the county itself the inter-county teams you know Rebel Oaks so many other stakeholders and 
it's just you know very very intense so yeah like you know it's a three-year term and that's what you sign up for but yeah it, it would have taken over quite a lot of my life over the, the three years and again I suppose Covid had an impact again that slowed things down a bit this year and maybe coincided with me for a, a time in my life say where I have a, a niece and nephew now that I didn't have when I started in the role and they live abroad but they were, I haven't met my niece yet but uh, she was only born in October but my nephew is nearly two and they were home in the summer and I was actually really glad to have a little bit of a release from the intensity of the GA journey to have time to spend, you know, with my my nephew and minding him and my family and so on. And, you know, my friends, I do joke, but I only have me it. I'd say like half the reason they're still my friends is they were living on the hope of all Ireland tickets or you know, things like that. So, yeah, like my, my life has been really all about work and the GA for the last number of years. Like we were saying there, Tracy, like you've packed an awful lot into your even or three years as county board chairperson. Was there any moments or times during that where you were saying, oh, sad this, I just need to step outside the bubble for a while? There were many times. <laughs> I, I definitely asked myself many times what I had got into. And, and I would certainly say that while I don't regret it for a minute, because, my God, the privilege I've had, like I don't regret it for a minute. And I've, it has... It has helped me so much to develop as a person and to, you know, to develop skills that I wouldn't have had otherwise. I'm, I'm certain that I might not have had the journey in my professional career without the skills that I learned in my GA career. So like it has been a huge value to me. But I think if I had my time over again, I would have stopped after PRO and said goodbye to it at that stage. But, you know, there were some really tough times during those three years. I wouldn't wish them on anybody. And I think, you know, look, different personalities and so on as well. My personality is such that I always want to try and fix things. And I always feel, you know, in some way responsible. So there were things there that I just really struggled with. I mean, I, I've said it, the stadium was one that I struggled a lot with because of the fact that I just didn't feel I had the skill set to deal with the scale of the challenges. But then I was very lucky and I have been very lucky with the people around me all throughout my GA journey. And when you had, say, people of the calibre locally of um, Michael O'Flynn and John Mullins on the stadium board and also the leadership shown by Crow Park, you know, particularly the Utrecht John Horn, um, in steering us through those really, really troubled waters. I was very lucky. But I think, yeah, if anything could have made me walk away during the time, it probably would have been the stadium because of the fact that I just felt it challenged the skill set I had to, to deal with that. But again, as I say, you know, the pitch, we'll say the failure of the pitch as well, you know, was a really tough time related to the stadium. But again, people stepped in, like we, we had people like John Murphy of Goldcroft who stepped up to the plate there, you know, in terms of helping us with those things. And, you know, I think the stadium now is, is out the other side of those issues as well. Obviously, it's going to be challenging for a while. COVID isn't helping. But I think that the stadium is on the right track now as well. And I think we'll you know, enjoy success over, over the next number of years. And of course, it'll be a great asset to Cork for years and years to come, long after the challenges of today are a memory, you know. I think you're touching a great point there. Um, that Park Creeve, it's a fantastic asset. It's a 100 million euro asset and it's here for years and years to come. So there have been very, very rocky waters. It's probably not finished just yet, but it's looking a lot more positive now. Like you mentioned, the pitch there is in supreme condition at the moment, like the games it's held this year. It's a credit to everyone involved. It's probably the best pitch in the country and the players I've spoken to who've played in it, they all think that. And the stadium itself and the pitch. So like I said with the, the, the football and hurling teams earlier, it's pointed in the right, the right direction again, Parky Cueve. Well, we certainly hope so. And I think there are the people that are involved, you know, and obviously Mark, the incoming chairman and his team, you know, are, are well placed and they have the right people and they are the right people to lead the stadium forward into the future. I think it will be a fantastic um, centre in, in a few years' time for both our games and for other ancillary events. And there, there are some little tweaks planned to the layout of the stadium that will make it more accessible for all kinds of events. And I think, you know, apart from the games, which obviously are the highlight, and, you know, one of the things that I'm so happy about too is that our Camogian Ladies football teams now regularly play in the stadium as well. So, you know, it will be a home for all our Cork teams in time to come. But as well as that, and as anyone who's attended, say, concerts, for example, in the stadium will know you know it's a brilliant venue as well and I think it has huge potential so 
I, I, no, I, obviously we're not completely out of the, the woods with it yet. And we are very lucky with the level of support we received from Crook Park in relation to the stadium. But I think the One Cork project, which was re recently launched, you know, one of the strands of the One Cork project is, you know, in terms of uh, fundraising for the stadium. And I think all of that will ensure the success of it in the future as an enterprise, as well as just as well as a sporting venue. And you mentioned the pitch, like, and it is. I, I suppose it'll be a while before another chairperson walks on it in pointy high heels. But I did that this winter and did not sink. You know, it's really in. I mean, don't tell John Murphy that, or I'll be. Oh <laughs> well, he can't say anything. No, I can't be sacked. But um, no, it it is really in immense condition. It's it's just beautiful, which is what it should be because the pitch is at the heart of everything we do. You know, our games are the centre of it all. So having the pitch right, I think, is means so much to people. And I think, in fairness, while we shipped a lot of criticism when it went wrong, people do did and have acknowledged as well the fact that it is now right. And I I, I appreciate that too. I mentioned there about the Cork ladies and footballers and Camogie teams playing on playing a party quiz, which was so important as well. And when you took over as chairperson, that was one of the goals. You said, oh, you wanted that to happen, um, which was brilliant to see. And as the first female chairperson of the county board, like it's an incredible honour for you. And I, I noticed there in your address to convention on last weekend, you were I suppose, a bit disappointed in the fact, Tracy, that there's no, there's no female presence now in the county board executive. Um, would you have liked to have seen more, more women come through in, in, in various roles? Yes, and to be honest, I do feel that I failed in some way by not having that, I suppose, by not having somebody there after me. I remember I said at my opening, my election speech, that there's no point in being the first one if you're the only one. And I don't want to be the only one. And I really hope that it won't be too long more before there is somebody else coming after me. I had actually planned, I had some work planned this year in relation to encouraging more women. Like we had actually set up a, a seminar in all for April where I was going to bring in some of the existing female club officers and just discuss with them, you know, how paths might be found um, for some of those to come forward. As, like divisional, uh, the divisional area is a good place to start and there are some women involved at divisional level in, in a few different divisions, which is great, you know. Um, and I think like to make the step forward first into at divisional level and then onto county level, as I did myself, you know, I think it is important that that does happen. And I know it's it's an area I have an interest in, obviously, but, you know, there, there would be evidence to suggest that women are slower to come forward, to, to volunteer themselves or to come forward for things. And I certainly wouldn't be where I was if I hadn't been asked first day by someone in my club. You know, I, I still joke my, my neighbours, Glyn Foley and Dominic Fogarty, that it was their fault. They were the outgoing juvenile chair and secretary at the time. And they asked me to step into the role of juvenile secretary. I would have never thought of it for myself. Um, and then someone else asked me to step into the role of adult secretary and so on. It was suggested, I was encouraged, and I wouldn't be there if it wasn't for that. So I really hope that our clubs can take that you know into consideration when they are selecting people that you might need to ask instead of saying is there anyone who will do such and such a thing um you know that you might need to specifically target women because the balance is good for everybody and we can see that you know that there are a number of clubs now who have female chairs which is is a relatively recent development but it's great to see you know and i know there's a club division that currently has you know the, the three senior officers chair, the secretary and treasurer are female and there have been previous clubs who've had that as well. So that's great to see and there are amazing women working at club level. I mean some of these women would be far better than I was and far better equipped um, in their, their professional lives and so on to take on these roles but obviously it's harder you know when when you are kind of in the minority it's obviously a little bit harder to come forward but I do have to say that my own experiences were very positive. You know I, I never I never ran into a problem that I could say definitely stemmed from the fact that I was female. You know, that, that is the reality of it. And I never was never made to feel uncomfortable by any fellow officer or any club delegate or anybody like that along the way. So like I would say to women, if you are asked, do take the opportunity and, you know, don't necessarily wait to be asked either. But we all know it's, that's easier said than done. And if somebody does approach you, do take the chance because, you know, you never know where it could lead. You mentioned there, there's a couple of, of, of female chair people in, in with Carberry Lone. I think you've Mary Mayberry with Donnie's and you've Angela Donovan with, with Argadine Rangers. So, like, it, it is getting better. But like you said there, uh, there's a long way to go, really. Like, there is a huge gender imbalance still in the GEA. There is. And again, that's, that's a concern I have also because 
you know, I, I would love to see an integrated body, obviously, where you would have Mogi Ladies football and the men's games under the one governing body. I think that would be a better situation for everybody. But at, that doesn't address the issue of the lack of female involvement in the GA side of the house. And it's not enough just to say, oh, the women are over here with women's games. You know, there needs to be balance everywhere. And there are lots of men involved at administrative level in the women's games. And say refereeing, there are lots of men refereeing in the women's games. There are lots of men coaching in the women's games. That is not the case um, in the men's games. So the balance is important all across the, the association. And, you know, there's a long way to go to address that. I mean, I'm in Central Council now, and I think, I hope I'm not leaving anybody out. I think there are three... Central Council delegates that are female and two of those are from overseas. So Mary Trace Dockery from Europe and uh, Joan Henshaw from New York are overseas. Um, but they, they are delegates. I think I'm the only female delegate on the island of Ireland at the moment, from the island of Ireland at the moment. And that's the governing body, you know. Um, now, obviously, Camogie and Ladies Football are represented on it, but that's slightly different. So it is something I think the GA as an association needs to look at. And it's not just women. I mean, we're not a diverse organisation. That, that is the reality of it, you know. Um, we don't see enough representation of other um, minority groups that are part of our Irish community in the GA. And I think, you know, we do think of ourselves as a community organisation, and we are, but we also need to say, are we serving all the members of our community? And it's, it's about not missing out on the opportunities, because if we sideline people, then we're missing out on the opportunity to have those contributions um, to add to our association and it's really important I think that we do adapt to the fact that we live in a more diverse world now but like it, as with gender balance there's a long way to go in a lot of areas of our society. When you eventually look back on your, your term as chairperson how, how will you view it because I'm thinking of the late John Corcoran and he always considered himself as a keeper of the flame and it always stuck in my head and he always said to me that his job was to kind of take the flame and hand it on to the next generation but make sure it's, it's in a better position and I think John Corcoran always did that whatever he did when you're looking back in your term now, when you, you've handed the flame over to Mark Sheehan, do you feel that Cork G is in a stronger position than it was three years ago? I, I think that, you know, our contributions can't really be judged by ourselves, you know, because that is only something that can be judged by future generations. You know, if Cork are successful in the next 10 years, then I would like to think that I had some, that I played some role in doing some small thing that led to that. It's never going to be what I did made this happen. But each of us makes a contribution. That's the reality of it in a lot of different ways. I remember Geraldine, I think, when he was a particular person saying, you know, I'm just the same as the rest of you. He said, I just have a slightly different job for these three years. And I think that's, you know, from, from the, the person cutting the grass in the local GA pitch all the way up to the GA president, we're all only cogs in the huge machine that is the GA. So what my contribution is, I think it'll be only something that can be judged in future years. So, for example, I like to think that we made a positive change to the club championships this year. That's not something I did. I oversaw it. I put in place the group that, that brought it in. But the clubs made that decision. The aim of that decision was to have more successful or more competitive club championships that would produce stronger, that would lead to stronger competition and more competitive players and teams we'll say going on into into provincial club championships and so on and all the way up to the Cork team if that happens over the next few years then we'll have been proved to be right in our decision but again that was something that we did as a body as opposed to something that I did as an individual so as I say it, it's hard to say what the contribution will be I would like to think that I had some hand in making Corky maybe a more open um, place that people tell me that I did but only other people again can judge that it's something I'd like to have think to think that I did um Again, I, I feel that I put one of the things I wanted to do was to make her football central, I suppose, to, to my position, because I know from my discussions with the football community that they often felt they were the same citizens. And I was absolutely determined that that wouldn't happen under my watch. And I, I definitely don't think it did. You know, I, I certainly... Like I went to every football match for the three years, you know, I, even when the Cork Warriors were playing, I went with the footballers. That would have been rare enough um, in the traditions. 
but whether that has any positive effect on Cork football is something that that I can't say or, or nobody can say at this point in time. It's only something that we'll be able to judge in hindsight. So it's really hard to say what anybody's legacy will be, you know, but I hope because we all come into these roles wanting to make a positive difference. Why else would you give up your life, you know, for the time that you're involved? And, you know, I did give up my life, if you like, to it. So I hope I had a positive impact. But it's it's other people will have to to say that to to decide that. You said there that you kind of you've given up your life and you've given so much to Cork G over over the years, Tracy. Go back to when you were asked to be PRO. So if someone if you knew now what you knew then, and if someone asked you to go for the position of Cork PRO, knowing that you would end up as the chairperson and what followed followed, what would you say to that person? Well, I loved the role of PRO. So that, that was my favourite role. I I loved, I, and I think that's the problem in some ways. I enjoyed that role so much, even though it was really intense and, and all-consuming. But you have a lot of agency in that role. So like you were very much responsible for your particular brief. And I enjoyed that. And I loved all the aspects of it. And I met great people like yourself and so many other, you know, journalists and so on. And I had great fun with our social media and our website and things like that, which I enjoyed. Uh, great relationships with our team managers and players and so on. I was really lucky, I think, in my terms. So I loved it. So when the end of the three years came, we have a rule in Cork, which states you can't move into any other officer role except vice chair. Um, I don't think I would have wanted any other officer role anyway. In an ideal world, I just stayed as PRO. Um, so my only option to stay involved was to go for vice chair. And again, vice chair was very much about fixtures, which is something that I'd also have been very interested in. I started going to these Cork board making fixtures for my club. And it's an area again that I had interest in. So I said, I'd give it a shot. And I was lucky enough to be elected. The club with Cork put their faith in me. And I loved that. I enjoyed that role because of the fixture making element of it, which was something that was a great interest to me. But yeah, if, if when I look back, I might be a saner person with less grey hairs or fewer grey hairs now if I had stopped after PRO. But no, you know, I don't regret it. I, I couldn't regret it, even though it was intense and it was really, really difficult at times. But it was also the greatest privilege that anyone involved in the GA other than a player can have you know being a county board officer is the administrator's opportunity to play for Cork you know that that's our our contribution that's our way of playing for our county and like what player doesn't want to be on their county team and so being chair of your county is the ultimate honor that any GM administrator can have. Look at the 2021 so Tracy I presume your diary is still very very packed and very very full but it's not as busy as it would have been these past couple of years What's the plan for you for 2021? Have you any hobbies you want to take up, any adventures you want to go off on, any books you want to write, anything, anything perking your interest? Well, I suppose COVID has sort of put any kind of plans on hold. Um, I, I mean, I just want to do, I think, normal things. So for the last nine years, and even long before that, because previously I was secretary of my club, which also involved a lot of commitments, all of my plans would have been around matches and, you know, no, I can't go on a two-week holiday because there'd definitely be a match in the middle of it, you know, and my poor friends got sick of me mooning over not being at a match, so they just said, stay at home, stay at home. Um, so, you know, I would like I would like to travel a little bit. I'd obviously love to spend more time with my, um, my niece and nephew and my godchildren and my friends um, and things like that. And, you know, my mother, she has one daughter in Dubai and the other one she never sees. <laughs> Um, so like I, I owe a lot to my family and friends and it's nice to spend a bit of time with them and also to my job I mean I'm, I've only been in my role as principal for just over a year so I'm and look at the year that was so I want also to to have my full energy to give to that as well you know my my hobbies are well known I love reading and uh, to have a bit of time to to read a bit more would be great uh, longer term I wouldn't mind going back to do a bit more study. That's one of the things that, that I would like to do. And sure, you know, who knows where the road will take you. I have had very little time to think about the, you know, my future life, but I hope that I'll enjoy a bit of good health and just get to do normal things. You know, it will be strange. <laughs> and if you could give Mark Sheehan, the new chairman, one piece of advice, not that he needs any advice, he's very, very able man. What would your advice be to Mark if you could just depart one word of wisdom or one one piece of wisdom from your term in charge to Mark? Whoa, <laughs> I don't actually. <laughs> I don't know. Um, that's a hard one. So yeah, as you said, like Mark is a very capable person, and I suppose the thing about GA administrators because we're volunteers, each of us brings a very different um, 
a very different way of doing things to the role because we all bring our own personal skills. I suppose the only thing I could say to him is don't take the criticism personally if you get it. You know, that, that's probably the, the, the best advice I could give. But I don't think he will either. And I don't think he'll draw any criticism. Um, I think he, he'd be well able to deal with the situation. That's actually, before I let you go, Tracy, that's actually a great point there because, again, us on the outside, we don't see the criticism that you get. Like social media can be... Yeah, take on a life of its own sometime what's the best advice for people there just ignore it yeah I suppose that's what I would have had to learn to do myself um and as I say as I said earlier I do tend to feel responsible for everything so you know when things go wrong I feel it's my fault too and it doesn't kind of help when I have people on Twitter shouting that at me also um and I suppose the hardest thing for me in relation to social media has been the temptation to engage sometimes and you know, we all know there are people out there who are really just saying things to get you to engage. And you have to remember, I suppose, that there's there's a dignity to the role of chairperson and that you have to step back. And so I would have. And I found that difficult there were times when I had to sit on my hands or lock my phone in another room or things like that to stop myself responding. And also when you see it's not particularly personal criticism of me, like mute and block are brilliant buttons uh, on social media. And I would have used them copiously because I feel I'm a volunteer. So like, I don't have to take that kind of thing. But when I see the criticism of other volunteers, you know, particularly players and managers, and whatever commitment I gave, like when you look at what they give, you know, it is absolutely phenomenal. Um, I think sometimes I would have got criticism from people who don't realise I'm a volunteer. They actually think this is my job. I come across that a fair bit. But when you see players and managers who are, genuine volunteers giving so much of their time and being criticized personally that really used to annoy me um I think I got better at handling it over the years I suppose I had to and even things like and you know no this is no judgment on journalists who do a brilliant job and who have to but you know I learned to stay away from the newspapers after a court game or you know to pull back a little bit from them when there was a disaster and things like that because it just was having a negative impact on my own mental health. And you, you can't let that happen either. I used to pick up the Southern Star religiously every Thursday. So I'll, I'll forgive you on that one, Tracy. <laughs> but, uh... well, to be fair, Kieran, the Southern Star does absolutely immense coverage of sport. Um, I, I, since I moved from working in Cove, I can actually buy it there. It's on sale in Cove. So it's a, it's a brilliant publication and you do a great job. Absolutely fantastic. Oh, Tracy, and I was going to say before I let you go, thank you so much for all your help over the years. You've been an absolute privilege and, and a joy to, to deal with since I've been in the Southern Star, which is eight or nine years ago. It almost ties in with your time as PRO moving through the board. I've been in West Cork that long. So um, thank you so much for your everything you've done for the Southern Star and enjoy enjoy those evenings off next year. Enjoy those nights off away from meetings. Enjoy being on the terrace again as, as a Cork GFN next year. So, Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast. Number one for sport in West Cork. Now, 2020 is a year most of us will be happy to see the back of. But it wasn't without its highlights from a West Cork sporting perspective. And Kieran, you've ranked your top 10 moments of the year. And we're going to run through them now. And the first one on the list, so number 10 by your ranking, is an unusual one. And one that could have never happened in any other year on record but it's the best in the west so let's go back to the first lockdown when there was no live sport whatsoever and here in the star yourself myself Jer mccarty brian mccarty and star readers started a search to crown west cork's greatest sports person so kieran i'll let you take it from there yeah this was an interesting idea we came up with back in the first lockdown jack as you mentioned there so we picked 16 of the greatest West Cork sports people. I think it was from the last 50 years, if I'm right. And what we did then, just to get a bit of interaction with our readers, because our readers were lost about live sport. There was no live sport whatsoever. So this was our way of suppose, filling that void in a very small bit. So we had 16 sports people. It started off um, with, on, on Twitter polls, two against each other, winner advances. So from 16 to 8 to 4, the two in the final, and then we crowned a winner. And it was really interesting. It was really good fun as well. It played out over, I think it was four or five weeks, Jack, and with huge engagement and huge interaction with our readers. And the final then saw um, Phil Healy, Ireland's fastest woman, up against Keith Cronin, the four-time British rally champion from from um, from Kegel. So it was um, really good fun. And it was, like I said, huge engagement. And that final itself, it was played out over 24 hours on one weekend. And 
I think if you saw my phone, I say I charged my phone four times that Saturday because it was red hot and I was thousands and thousands of votes streaming in. And um, it was a testament to both Phil and to Keith Cronin that it was such a hotly contested final. And in the end, Keith Cronin came out on top by the narrowest of margins. I think it was 52% to 48. So good fun, great winner. And um, I think it was a it was a good way to get through the first lockdown. Yeah, Keith Cronin's fans really rallied and he took the checkered flag. Now, number nine on the list is another unusual one that wouldn't have made any lists of this nature only in 2020. And that was when Castlehaven's need was greatest and their captain, Mark Collins, stood up to score the winning penalty in a penalty shootout in a county semi-final. Because again of COVID and the way it had affected the sports the sports landscape last year, there was um penalty shootout at the end of extra time um in GA games if obviously if the games had to go that far. And the, the county premier senior football semi final between Castlehaven and St. Finbars needed penalties to separate the two teams. And it was Mark Collins, that always cool Castlehaven man. We've had him on the podcast numerous times times um he was the haven captain and he stood up twice in a penalty shootout he scored haven's first penalty to give them the lead in the shootout but after five penalties each check there was no separating them so it went into sudden death and we know from soccer from world cups and european championships over the years the drama of a penalty shootout and this played out up in up in parky ring on a, on a cold and wet sunday night and i think it was october if i'm right it was um, the night before they announced the the second lockdown, if I if I recall, exactly. Yeah, because um because after that, because obviously, from the the fact that this is in the top ten, it means Mark buried that that penalty. Castlehaven won the penalty shootout. They got through to the county final, which has yet to be played. Um, we don't know when it's going to be played. There's there's actually no room in the calendar for the next couple of months to play that game. So, the 2020 Cork Premier Senior Football Final would have to be played at some point in 2021. Before the the new championship starts, we don't know when. But for in terms of our sports review, Mark Collins' ice cool spot kick makes the number nine spot. Number eight then is a man who's been making more headlines again in recent weeks, and that's Inna Shannon's Jack Crowley and his performances in the under twenty Six Nations at the end of January. So this was a time in our lives when we'd never heard. The word social distancing, pandemics, when we heard of pandemics, obviously, but lockdown, etc. And uh, it was the impact that he made, Kieran. You could be forgiven to think that the, that the Scottish team were social distancing from Jack Crowley that night when, when they came to Tom Dick under Ireland under 20s because he was immense that night. He scored two tries, but it was his. He saw no try when he picked up the ball in his own 22 and ran the lint to the field to score a sensational, it was a sensational try because. And I always remember Simon Zebo tweeted Jack Crowley, wow, just three words, and it summed it all up. And um, he was immense for Ireland in the under twenty six nations at out half. He was one of the Ireland's best players as Ireland. As, trying to remember now back that yeah, as Ireland won that under twenty six nations, um, they beat England as well. Um, so he was immense, and he's really highly rated, Jack. He's inside the Munster Academy, and even just to begin, just gone. Jack Crowley made his Munster senior debut for um, when they lost away to Ulster. Came off the bench in the 67th minute and kicked the conversion after Darren Sweetham scored a late try. So, like I said, Jack Crowley, former Bendon Grammar student, a product of Bendon Rugby Club, really highly rated, really one to watch, and he's 100% deserving of his place in our list. Now, one of the biggest disappointments for West Cork fans across the board in 2020 was missing out on the opportunity to see this lady in action at an Olympic Games. But that didn't stop Phil Healy making a massive impact in the minds of the Irish sporting public. And 2020 really was shaping up to be her year, Kieran. Yeah, Phil Healy um, was bound for the Olympics last year. She was well well on her way to qualify for, for her first Olympics. But obviously COVID struck and the, the Games have been postponed until this summer. Um, but that didn't stop Phil in her tracks at all, Jack. She, she still won three national titles in 2020 to take her total to 12 national senior titles, which is an incredible record. And it seventh her place as the, the queen of Irish sprinting. Um, there was also a national indoor 200-metre record in there last February, followed by her national 200-metre indoor win later that month. And then during the summer, she completed a 100- and 200-metre double at the Outdoor Senior National Championship. So 
She's getting faster, she's getting quicker, she's getting stronger, and I think she'll be in great shape for this summer's Olympics, Touchwood. Another athlete now, so number five on our list of the top 10 West Cork sporting moments of 2020, and that's Glen Gareth athlete Dara McElhenney, who Before signed off. Before we go to number five, Jack, we should try number six. Oh, excellent point, Kieran. We'll come back to Dara McElhenney in a moment. So number six, I'm just looking at the email you've sent me and you've forgot to put a space between seven and six. So I'm going to blame you for that one because I can only read what's on the teleprompter like Ron Burgundy. And number six is third time lucky. And it's the Enniskeen County Intermediate Camogie Champions who finally won the big one, Kieran. That was huge for um for Inniskeen last year. And to be honest, even though it was such a I suppose a turbulent year for sports, um sport everywhere, there were still some amazing stories came out of, of twenty twenty. And Inniskeen Inniskeen's county intermediate Camogie success was definitely up there with it. Um this is a team that lost the twenty seventeen and twenty nineteen county finals to their neighbours Newcastle and it always reminded me sometimes of the story of the Donnies ladies footballers who had lost three county junior B finals in a row before they finally won in 2019. And in 2020, it was the year of Inniskeen to end their, I suppose, their years of heartbreak. But they didn't make it easy for themselves. I'm thinking back to the county quarterfinal against Blackrock when they were 13 points down at one stage of the first half and they looked in serious trouble. But in fairness to them, they dug themselves out of it. They won that game. They got all the way to the county final against Ahabuluk. I've always troubled counting their name for some reason. Um... And that was a day when Orla Cronin, their Cork senior star, stood up and was counted. She was clear of the match. She scored 11 points. And Inneskeen won the county intermediate title. And the reward for that now, Jack, is they're going up into the senior ranks in 2021. And it's it's great for Carberry Camogie because that means this season, Corsi Rovers are obviously the reigning county senior champions. We now have Inneskeen who join Newcestown and also the Carberry senior Camogie team. So that's four local teams in the county senior camogie championship so that's one to look forward to in 2021 absolutely and now back to number five and i'm not even going to try and reword the script i'm going to repeat exactly what i said when i tried to do number five a little earlier on and that's glenn gareth athlete dara mcleheny who signed off his teenage years in some style cairn in 2020 I can't believe Darren McElhinney only turned 20 last November. He's been around for years and years and years. He was a West Cork Junior sports star back in 2016. And he was, um, so that means when he won his first ever senior men's national title last summer, he was only 19 years of age. Like he's been a teenage prodigy the whole way up, breaking records, setting setting records, bettering the performances of the likes of John Tracy and so on. Um, so he really has been one to watch and he will be one to watch over the next couple of years. And the reason he made the list here at number five, like I just mentioned, he won his first senior men's national title um, when he brought home the 5,000 metres um, gold from the outdoor championships last August. And it was an incredible performance for a 19-year-old because he sat on the shoulder of John Travers, who was the reigning champion, much more experienced, with a far faster PB but Dara sat on his shoulder for lap after lap after lap. And he waited for the final 200 metres before he made his move, hit for home. And it was enough to see him pass the line with a with a bit of despair. But it was the discipline and the maturity that he showed to bide his time against such a seasoned pro, which kind of, I think it really turned a couple of heads. And like Dara said himself, it was a breakthrough moment for him. But he's not one to rest in his laurels either. He really wants to kick on this year. There's a lot more to come from Dara McElhinney. So I, I think over the next couple of years, we'll be seeing his name more regularly in the top 10 moments of the year, Jack. Absolutely. And hopefully we can get him back on the podcast at some stage in the coming months, because the last time he was on, he was uh, really inspirational and really kind of fired me up to get out running again. So yeah, let's get him back on maybe as soon as next week so we can start losing. He's actually he's actually in Kenya at the moment. He was due to fly out, I think it was the 27th of Kenya for a month of warm weather training and there he did the same last year. So I'm all forward to getting back on. He's I've said before, he's one of my favourite sports people to interview. I think he's he gives such brilliant insight into athletics and even in our recent sports review, which is people can still buy now and it's and actually this interview with Dara is online he talks about the mental side of athletics and how and how he deals with nerves and so on 
And again, it was absolutely brilliant insight. You know, he gives you, he opens the curtains to his life and his world and, and, and he shows you in there and he gives you a glimpse of who he is and what he's all about. So anyone listening to this podcast, hop onto the Star website now and find that Darren McElhinney interview. It's called Something Inside So Strong because it really is a very good read. Yeah, and it's up on our Facebook page there as well for anyone who can't find it on the website. Now, number four on our list is our second Camogie entry this year and it's good things come to those who wait Kieran the Corsi Rovers senior camogie side claiming county championship glory yeah and they claimed it for the very first time in the club's history which made it so memorable and magical for for Corsi Rovers like I said about Inneskeen a couple of minutes earlier there were some superb sporting fairy tale stories in 2020 and this is definitely one of them um Corsi Rovers qualified for their first county senior final back in 2018 against Inniscarra and they'd be the first to admit that nerves got to them that day. The trappings of a of a county senior final was all new to them. Um, I think it was Karen Cohen, their, their captain, was telling me just a couple of weeks ago that while they were warming up for the 2018 final and going through drills on the field, the national anthem started, and they were like, oh, Christ, what's going on? What's happening here? Because it was all new to them. So two years later, 2020, the team stuck together. The young players like Fiona Keating, Saoirse McCarthy, Linda Collins, they're all getting better. Um they knew what they needed to do to win a county final. They got to the county final and they were sensational that day. They beat Inniscarra by 5-12 to 1-12, um, deserving winner. So magical story for, for Corsi Rovers. One of the big stories of, of Cork GEA last year. And the hope now is that they can come back again this year and defend that title. And I think I think there'll be a hard team to knock off their perch in 2021, to be honest, Jack. Absolutely. Now, number three, on our list of the top 10 West Cork sporting moments of 2020 is a moment that's been building and building for the last number of years. And that's the growing West Cork influence on Munster rugby. And for anyone who even has a passing interest in provincial rugby or Munster rugby specifically, they'll have taken notice of what's been going on the last 18 months or so because Munster Rugby had been going through a tough period, Kieran. but now there's a bunch of lads from West Cork who seem to be reviving the province. Uh, the rise of, uh, of rugby in West Cork has been nothing short of phenomenal the last couple of couple of years, to be fair. And I suppose go back to Darren Sweetnam back in 2012 when he signed his, his contract. He's, he's a trailblazer, Jack. He's the fellow who showed that there's a pathway from from West Cork to the Munster team and that opened the door and, and since then so many more players have, have followed Darren Sweetenham's um, path to Munster so like you're right there's so many different moments that you did actually fill a top 10 right in their own for from the past from the past 12 months so this goes in as one moment on, on its own and it's just a, it's the rise of, of of West Cork rugby and I think that was highlighted when the, there was a Guinness Pro 14 game against Cardiff Blues, when five, five West Cork men lined out for Munster that way. You had Darren Sweeten from Domenway, Lean Witchley from Bantry, John Hodnett from Mascarbury, Gavin Coombs from Skibbereen, and then Finneen's younger brother Josh came on to make his Munster debut. And it was incredible to see five West Cork men playing on, on the same Munster team. So that was a really, really memorable, memorable occasion for West Cork rugby. But it's worth noting since then, the likes of Gavin Coombs is having the season of his life. Like he's been a juggernaut for Munster this season. I mentioned there about Jack Crowley making his debut, um, his debut last last weekend. Josh Witcherly has been absolutely brilliant for, for Munster since he made his debut in that game against the Cardiff Blues. And he was superb against Clermont Averne over in France before Christmas in the, the Champions Cup. That was the game where Munster what with 18, 19 points down or more, and they came back for a, one of the most famous wins ever. And it's great to see so many West Cork men involved in it. And I have no doubt, Jack, this, this West Cork rugby story is going to grow and grow and grow over the next... Back at the high points of all of our... Well, sorry, nine of our um, local rugby people who are with Munster. And that includes Laura Sheehan from Orhan and Inya Breen from Skibbereen. So that's well worth checking out as well. Absolutely. And that moment... You obviously have included as one, but as you said, there could have been a top 10 of Munster or Munster Rugby West Cork moments of their own. But the next moment, number two, is to my mind undoubtedly the best singular moment in the truest sense of the word of the year because it happened in the space of 
five seconds, three seconds, maybe you could even boil it down to two seconds. And that was Mark Keane's goal for Cork to beat Kerry in the Munster semi-final at Park Equive. It was undoubtedly the high point of Cork's season from a footballing perspective. And obviously what followed didn't quite live up to what happened in the semi-final. But for that five seconds, Cork football was back on top of the world. That was an incredible moment to be at. And I was one of the lucky ones up in up in Parky Cueve and and, and that's that's wet and windy and damp and miserable um night um when when Kerry came to town and Kerry were favourites coming up there. I think they're closing in on either seven or eight in a row in the Munster Senior Football Championship. They were expected to be Cork and Cork played really well that day to be fair. Um Kerry did miss a couple of chances but Cork didn't allow them to play either with the freedom. And it, it all meant that with seconds to go at the end of injury time, at the end of extra time, that Cork were just, I think they were one point down. Um, so it set up kind of a tantalising, well, a huge, a huge finish. And I just remember that move unfolding. And it, it all finished with Luke Connolly going for going for a shot from the from under the stand. He was he was obviously going for a point to level the game, but it was a wayward shot, fell into the, the open arms of Mark Keane and the, the returning Wizard of Oz in one fluent move, the ball was in the back of the net, caught the ball, dropped it, right foot, bang. It was incredible because it was practically the last kick of the game and Cork came from one point down to two points up to beat the old rivals Kerry for the first time in... I think since 2012 in the Munster Senior Football Championship. So it was an absolutely magical moment. I know, Jack, that what happened after against Tipperary probably tainted the, the footballer season. Well, it did taint the footballer season because it was very, very disappointing. They weren't good enough at all against against Tipperary. But I like to see that Marquine goal as a moment that stands on its own, as a singular moment that, can, that, that will stand the test of time, I think, in years to come because... You could see the reaction of Cork fans on social media that night. It was incredible. You put Titanic music to the goal, and there was 13, 14, 15, 16,000 views of, of that alone. It was a, it was, it was a great moment for Cork GA fans. A great night for Cork GA. A great two weeks for Cork GA fans before the the, the Munster final against Tipperary. But definitely, um, I've been to a lot of sports events over the years. But to be there to to see Mark Keane's goal and to hear the noise. It was an empty parky queeve. But you could hear the players celebrating on the pitch. The the, the Cork um the, the the Cork journalists amongst me were all standing up. They were cheering. There was the the video of Finney McCarthy C103 going absolutely nuts celebrating the goal. That went viral. It was just an absolutely magical moment. Um, that's I think that will stand on its own as and a just, magical moment. Just to flag as well, we mentioned some of the pieces that are on the Southern Star website at the minute. There's a great piece where Kieran has essentially done an oral history of the moment. He spoke to Luke Connolly, Sean Meehan and the goal scorer Mark Keane. So it's just uh, to mark a moment in time, which is what it was. And that's on southernstar.ie forward slash sport right now. It's also on our Facebook page. And I urge any Cork footballing supporter to get on and relive that moment with the three lads who were involved in the move. Because as Kieran said, it may not have ended the way they wanted with the loss in the Munster final, but for those five minutes, two weeks after, there was Cork football was in dreamland essentially. But let's move on then to the number one entry on our list, and I think this is the the perfect entry for number one, considering all this team had been through together over the years, and that is the history makers, the West Cork ladies, who finally won the big one and beat Morn Abbey in the Cork Senior Ladies Football county final our own brian mccarty of the southern star was the manager so it held an extra special place for us but from a west cork sporting perspective kieran put it into context uh, this this was magical this was this was history in the making um this west cork senior football team were going for for five years i was i've said it before i was at their first ever game back in and they played north cork in valley Vorney. that was like she's either 2015 or 2016 and to see that team grow and become good enough to challenge the mighty Morn Abbey, who were dominated Cork Ladies football um, for the last number of years, were Munster champions, back to back All Ireland champions. Um, 
and West Cork in the, the finals in 2018 and 2019, West Cork lost both to Mourne Abbey. So when the teams faced off in the 2020 final, Mourne Abbey were rightly favourites, but West Cork produced a sensational performance that night in, or that afternoon or evening in CIT last October, um, inspired by Libby Coppinger of St. Columns, who was in the form of her life and an incredible 4-9-2-13 win for the West Cork divisional team. And it, it, it was a great win for ladies football in West Cork because this divisional team takes in players from Beira all the way over to Valley Rovers, from from Skibbereen to Dunmanway to Clannacilty uh, and so on. And it means so much to all the, all the players involved. And I think it likes Martino O'Brien because Martina has been the goalkeeper with the West Cork team for the last number of years. And because Clannacilty won the County Intermediate Football Championship last year, they're going senior this year. So Martina will not be a part of the West Cork team in, in 2021. So for players like her, who've given so much to her division over the years, it was great to see her sign off on, on a high end. But for Anya Terry O'Sullivan to, to bring the cup back to Bear and back to Elihees was a brilliant moment. But it's just, it, it was history. It was the first time the West Cork Senior Divisional Team have won the County Senior Championship. Um, like I said, I just think it's a huge boost for West Cork ladies, ladies football because you have young girls right across the division now who can look up to the likes of Anya, Terry Martino, O'Brien, um, Melissa Duggan, All-Star, all Neve Cotter, the, the Kylie twins. Jesus, we could be the day listing out the, the quality of, of, of ladies footballers in West Cork. But now young girls right across the division can see that these players became the best in the county by playing, by coming up through their clubs and playing with their division. And I think it's just a, a really, really special moment. And um, I think really deserving that it tops the charts. Absolutely. Well, there you have it. The top 10 West Cork sporting moments of 2020. And hopefully we'll have at least a handful of moments to rival those in 2021. We're going to take a quick break now. And coming up next, we're going to preview this week's Southern Star Sports section. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast. Number one for sport in West Cork. Welcome back to the Star Sport Podcast. And before we wrap up, this week we're going to quickly take a look at what's to come in this week's Southern Star Sports section. And Kieran, obviously a lot of sport is yet to return, but there's still plenty of action in this Thursday's edition. There's a load of reading in, in Thursday Star, Jack. Um, my last word column is on Conor Horan at the moment. He's, I suppose he's troubled, you could say, at Aston Villa. He's been frozen out is the wrong word, but he hasn't played a competitive game since the end of of November. He was on the bench all the way through December. I know Villa have the FA Cup this weekend against Liverpool, so he might get a run out there and he needs minutes. He's only appeared in five games this season and started three. So he turns 30 next month, February 2nd. So Conor Horan might might have a de- decision to make quite soon, Jack, um, of what he needs to do. So I look at that in more in-depth in my column this week. Like I said, there's plenty of reading. Um, we're going to ask our readers to test their knowledge of Carberry GA. We have the ultimate Carberry GA quiz in this week's Southern Star. It's a two-page quiz packed with 100 questions that only the, the really ex- experts and the, the, I suppose, the the know-it-alls of, of Carberry GA will know. The buffers. Um, I don't think anyone will get 100 here. If you get over 80, you'll be doing brilliant. If you get over 50, I think pat yourself in the back because it really is quite a testing quiz. Um, John Hayes, the Carberry senior footballer, is a new selector with the Cork senior football team and that was announced just after Christmas and it kind of came out of nowhere, to be quite honest with you. Um, nobody saw it coming, so I actually caught up with John this week for for a, for a chat about how this opportunity for him came about. I have a theory. Hopes. I have a theory and I... My theory is that Rowan McCarthy or the Cork County Board must have been reading John Hayes' brilliant column in the Southern Star over the course of the inter-county season. So uh, I'm going to give all the credit to the Southern Star sports section. I'll 100% back you up on that, Jack. Um, And it was an excellent column, we have to say as well. It, it was really good. What I liked about about uh, John Hayes' columns was he great insight, great insight into into how kind of tactics and how teams had set up and 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 so on. So I was just talking to him about what his role will be with the with the Cork senior football team, what he hopes to bring to that setup. So it's it's quite a good read. It's a very interesting read, as well as that. Uh, Ronan Hurley signed a new deal with Cork City, or a former West Cork schoolboys league graduate. So we've an interview with him. John McCarthy is a very good piece with Orla DC. 
from she's a, a, a young a young woman from Clannacilty who was part of the Clannacilty ladies football team that won the intermediate title last year. She was also with the Cork City under 17s that won the National League title on December 23rd. So she is a dual star with a difference. Dennis Hurley's column this week is very good as well. And 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 as usual, to be fair to Dennis, because he's looking at the at the expected expected link up of Sports Direct as Cork GA's new sponsor. So good stuff from Dennis Hurley and that. But also an interview with Kilnackaby manager Kevin O'Driscoll. We've um, Jack Crowley's debut with Munster and so on. So plenty of very good reading in this week's Southern Star Sports section. And obviously with the new COVID nineteen lockdown restrictions, people may struggle to get out to the shops this week but don't fret if you can't make it to your local shop to purchase a copy of the southern star because you can also purchase it online and subscribe to the southern star on your computer tablet or smartphone for less than two euro per week just go to www.southernstar.ie forward slash e-paper or call the office on 028 212 and we'll be able to organize a postal copy be sent out to you so do not worry you will not miss the southern star despite the new covid restrictions we'll make sure you get your copy to your door or to your computer tablet or smartphone thanks for listening to the star sport podcast we'll be back at the same time next week if you enjoy these shows please make sure to rate review and subscribe on apple podcasts spotify youtube or wherever you get your podcasts slan tomo